Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're so glad that you're here. Yeah, we're so glad. Uh, Before we start, I have to tell you the cutest thing. And I haven't even told David yet. This is such a cute thing. A lot of years ago when I was teaching seminary, I had this seminary teacher who we both know and love. And one of the things that he decided to do for each of his kids was to buy them their own standard works. And then he copied all of the notes from his entire scriptures one for each child. Did you know about this already? No. Do you want to do that now for your kids? So when they graduate, everybody gets their whole own Bible and New Testament and Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants, everything with their dad's notes. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Mine are all saved in my phone. And I know, but don't worry. I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you. So last night, my mom brought me this, everybody. Don't think we're going back to last year. But my mom, this is our journal from last year. And my mom wrote all her notes of everything she learned and typed it in here. Do you see this? Oh, that's so awesome. This is everything my mom learned last Last year. year. And she made one for me so I would know everything that she learned about the Doctrine and Covenants last year. Oh, that's so awesome. How cute is that? That's the best gift ever. That's so cool. I know. Then I was like, I want one of these from my mom from every year. (laughs) I know. Did you hear that? Because (laughs) now all of a sudden I can just look back and be like, this is what my mom believed about all these things. And this feels easier than putting all my notes into the standard work. So how cute is that, that for the is journal? That is so awesome. That's I know. seriously so awesome. I knew so you awesome. were going to love it so much. And I love it especially because of today's story. Yes. I don't even think you knew that no. you loved it for today's story. That's because true. as we move through this storyline, right, of this family, remember God is going to try and rescue the whole world. And he picks this family of Abraham and Sarah. And he says, your family's commission is going to be rescue. It's going to be to take the rescue of God to the whole world. Like you're going to have that particular commission, right? Of covenant relationship with God and rescue. And we saw that with Abraham's story. And now we're going to watch it pass on. And then we're going to watch it pass on again. And we're going to follow this covenant family throughout the entire Bible. We're going to stick with this family, the whole Old Testament, just so you know. And so we get into Jacob's story right here, but don't feel sad because we're going to do Isaac. (laughs) We had to put Jacob here to represent both of them, but that's who goes And this is Isaac's. Oh yeah, he's right there. I forgot. This is Isaac's. And then we're going to start Jacob's story and Isaac's and begin Jacob's story today. But it's cool to think about like you were, like your mom giving that gift and that seminary teacher and that kind of passing on of faith. Yes. And a passing on of tradition and a passing on of covenant understanding. Like we saw the opposite of that with Lot last week. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then, but you you were seeing a really good example of it today, just kind of passing that on, which I think is super cool. And when we talk about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, partly when we say that phrase that we read so often in scripture everywhere, 
It is a reminder of this passing on of this covenant God and his covenant promises through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob. Yeah. Just so awesome. And again, that's shorthand language because I've always said it's, it would, I, I wish that the phrase would say this, the God of Abraham and Sarah mm. and the God of Isaac and Rebecca. I, I wish it would. Yes. We would use that phraseology to say. Do you want to say to that say, for yeah. the rest of this year? Yes. Okay. I'm going to. From now on. No one let me say just Abraham, I'm Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to turn around you. Right. Because the blessing in its full measure comes, right? The real patriarchal order is a is a family order. It's a marriage and yeah. passing to children. That's so good. So. Um, and we're going to see the importance of that right now, where right, we're starting. Right. Because lest we forget the importance of the this patriarchal order, we are going to spend a couple chapters watching Isaac find his wife, Rebecca, and the importance, like how important really that union is in continuing this covenant. And you'll see throughout these chapters as you read each set of parents, then later Isaac and Rebecca are going to be super specific to their own kids about who they would want to marry, right? So that that covenant relationship can continue on to the next generation. Um, so you have this story and it starts in chapter 24. It's Abraham when he's really old and he'd been so blessed and he's, and he brings his servant. Now this is just a, a style back then, which I actually agree with <laughs> of picking spouses for your own children. Like I didn't think uh, I, I didn't like it as a 21 year old. Like I was like, I will like pick a- my own. But as a parent now, I actually think I think I could pick better spouses That's so funny for all of you. Grace had a bunch of young single adults over here on Sunday, and everyone was talking about who they were dating and whatever. And there's one of the kids that comes over who I just love with like my entire heart. And he was sitting on the couch, and we were talking. And as everyone was talking, and he was like, I'm not dating anyone. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to arrange a marriage for you because I'm going to pick someone better for you than you are going to pick for yourself. So how much do you trust me? I told him and he was like, well, first, who are you going to pick? Well, no, he said first, who do you think I'm going to pick? What do you, or you think the qualities I want to pick? And I named him and he nodded his head. I won't say him so I don't embarrass anyone here. And then he was like, what are the qualities you would pick? And I was like, the complete opposite of that. <laughs> and I named my qualities and he was like, okay, I can see the validity in that. <laughs> and then I was like, that is why I'm going to arrange your marriage. Yeah. I haven't found the girl yet, but I will arrange it. Yeah. There's benefits to choosing your own spouse, but I think there might be more to letting somebody <laughs> else. Did you know this is true? That arranged Hindu marriages have the highest success rate on planet earth. Really? Of marriages. Yeah. Oh. So well, Grace, <laughs> maybe Let's she wants to Grace's be Hindu. Marriage. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this happens in verse two. Uh, Abraham actually brings his oldest servant of the house, probably his most trusted, um, one that ruled over everything that he had. So you know, we like really, really trust this guy. And he says, "Listen, put your hand under my thigh." Which uh, <laughs> 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 the JST changes to hand, but it's just funner if he puts his hand under his thigh. Just like that's how you make covenants. You know, yeah. It's either animals or or thighs. <laughs> so he's gonna make this promise, and he says, "Swear by the Lord God of heaven and earth that you will not go get a Canaanite wife for my son, but rather somebody that he can perpetuate this covenant relationship with." So he actually sends him away to a place, and he just says, "I want you to go and find a wife for my son." What if that is how we did things today? And it's far away, everyone. Far, like he has to take. 
10 camels with all of the stuff he's going to need just to be able to cross and go where he's going to find this wife. It's going to take a lot of dates and a lot of time. Yeah. And he tells him, he says, okay, this is how, this is what I want you to do. When you get there, you're going to know um, how she is by if she takes care of you and your animals when you get there. That's how you're going to know it is the right girl. So just watch for something like that when you get there. And then when you do and find her, please bring her back so she can marry Isaac, right? That's kind of the plan. And what if you're Isaac too, everyone? Because now (laughs) there goes that guy and you're like out doing whatever it is you do every day. But you know, when that guy comes back, like your life's about to change drastically in that moment. Yeah. So that instructions in verse 14, he says, you're going to come and he says, and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee that I may drink. She will say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let that be the one. So that's pretty specific. Okay. <laughs> like we're looking for a really specific girl here. And he's like, but that's the kind of quality of girl. So he's just like, okay. So off he went and he took his 10 camels and he gets to this well And while he's there at the well, there is this woman there named Rebecca. And in verse 16, she was just a darling girl, um, (laughs) it says. And she was going and filling up her pitcher and it came up. And the servant ran over to her and he says, oh, can I have a little drink of water from your pitcher? You know, and she says, oh, yeah, of course. In verse 18, drink up, my Lord. And she hasted really quick and dropped down that pitcher real quick in verse 18 and pulled it up and gave it to him to drink. You know, and then when, when he was done doing that, she was like, do you know what? Can I draw water for your camels also? And don't you love thinking that the servant's like, (laughs) he turns to the camera, he turns to the camera and he's like, yes, you may. (laughs) (laughs) I found the girl. And so she does. And should we just talk about how much camels drink? Because we don't know. Right? We don't know exactly, but I have written in my margins because I just love the thought of this. Remember how many camels there were, everyone? 10. Ten. Jinx. And camels can drink 30 gallons a day of water. So that's like a lot of pitchering yeah. of water. <laughs> like we don't know exactly how much every camel drank, but we know that's like, do you want to know how kind Rebecca is? Yeah, because she says that line in 19, until they are done drinking. Yeah, like that's I'm gonna 30 keep... times 10 pitchers. She's 300 pitchers kind. Yeah. It's, or is it 3,000? 300. <laughs> but she is 3,000 pitchers kind. Okay. You know, like she would have. She would have yes. fed 100 camels. Yeah. See? <laughs> just so you know. And how many Who gallons per we pitcher? Do math? I just want to know, is your favorite part of Don't Miss This when we do math? I got it right. First time. Whatever. 300. Okay. And I got it through. Um, so he finds this girl. I love thinking about Rebecca in comparison to Abraham from last week. Was it last week? Where he hastes and serves and, you know, he's just like, and I'm particularly fond of this girl who is a stranger. She's never met this guy in her entire life. And to a stranger, she's going to be this kind. Yes. You know, like, like it's awesome to see kindness Mm -hmm. where you also can't see some sort of ulterior motive to the kindness. And don't you love this too? Because we know there is that hospitality code in scripture that's in the Old Testament, which is if someone asks you for a drink of water, you give them a drink. That's just code. Yeah. But you love that her hospitality is so generous. Right. You know, it's not just a drink, but it is like, let me just care for you and for everyone who's with you and for 
whatever's happening, you just love that that is who she is. And then we get to this verse we love. Because after that's all done, and it probably took a really long time. Then he proposes to her. He actually puts an earring on her <laughs> and bracelets, you know. And, and, and you mean he proposes in behalf of Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> and then he's like, should we go home and tell your family? That's what's going to yeah. happen next. And in verse 23, we both are in love with this verse. And we're going to actually split this verse in two. Um, because there are two things that we love that happen here. We're still in Genesis 24, verse 23. And he says, whose daughter are you? Tell me, I pray thee. And I love this moment and that question, just that thought for just a minute. Whose daughter Hmm. are you? Like who raised such a kind and generous girl? That's the thought that comes to mind is that where did you come from? And sometimes when I read it, I love to think to myself that someone could ask that about every one of us. Hmm. And maybe our answer would be, what we talk about in the young women's theme, right? I am a daughter of heavenly parents who love me. That's who I am. That's whose daughter I am. But I also love... And and what a like... Like that line is used so often, you know, among our people that it's just might be losing its savor Mm. a little bit when it's just like... And I don't actually think we know how deeply that impacts Mm. the way that we live and think yes. and, you know, and, and carry out our lives that just that identity of who's, who's am I? It just has. A- right. And, and is that a part of who I am? For years, we had that quote that President Hinckley shared in conference one year. Um, remember who you are and the family name you bear. Hmm. And to think about like, what is the family name we bear? And it's Jesus, yeah. right? That is the family name we bear. And that is who we represent. Um, we had an interesting experience many, many years ago. We had this cute couple who lived in our ward and in our ward boundaries, there are a lot of older couples who live here and see if this is true about older couples. They love their lawn. Have you ever noticed that? Like their yards, they just love to spend time in their yards and they have time for the first time in their life. And this is true about this family, the husband he just loved his yard. Well, he had a heart attack, like a significant heart attack. And then they get home from the hospital. They just barely have walked in the door. And instead of going up to his bed, he goes and stands at the living room window. And then he keeps saying, I'm supposed to be mowing today. I've got to, I'm just going to have to get out there and mow. I got to go out and mow. And <laughs> his wife kept telling him, you are not mowing. And then he would keep going to the window and he'd be like... I have to go out there and mow. And so she had called someone who knew that our son had a lawn mowing business. And so she was like, are they, by any chance, are Josh and Chandler mowing today? And I was like, yeah, they are. And they're like, could you, could they stop what they are doing right now and go over to this house so that man will go get in his bed? And I was like, oh, I'm sure they will. So I drove over to where they were and I was like, this is the craziest thing, but you just have to stop this yard and go over to this yard and just hammer that thing out. And then you can come back and do the rest of your day, which was going to add like hours into their day. Yeah. But when I told them the situation, both boys were like, oh, yeah, we'll go right now. And they knocked on the door and told the lady and away they went and they just started mowing. They didn't even go knock on the door. They just started mowing. And so the little lady came walking out of her house and she was like, who are, who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> and who told you to do this? And they were like, oh, we just got this phone call and, and we're just going to mow. 
And, um, and finally she says to Josh, well, who are you? And Josh says to her, I'm a Freeman. And then she says this, of course you are. Oh. And then she just walks in she the house. That's that all part. she needed to know. And I thought that was so cute when he came home and told us that, like, in her mind, she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, the Freemans would come over and mow my lawn, and that yeah. would be yeah. fine, you know? The, I just love that thought that if someone were to come up and be like, who are you and what are you doing? And you were like, oh, I'm from the house of Jesus. Don't you want someone to be like, of course you yeah, are. Yeah, I thought so. Or I could tell, you yes. know, something like that as yeah. you go through. And you just love that it hints of that right here, that he just is like, whose daughter are you? Yeah. And, and we left a little spot in the journal to just like contemplate that and think about that a little bit, that um, we all descend from heavenly parents and have like inherited some of their attributes. We've all chosen to be a part of the house of, of Jesus, to be born again you know, in his name. And some of us have been lucky enough to have parents that have passed on faith and passed on like these kind of, you know, helpful yes. and loving traditions like onto us. And it's just cool to think about yeah. a second, like, yes, it's just so good. Yeah. Where do I want, where do I want to be claimed? Okay. And then we love the second line in yeah. this. This one's my favorite line in this verse. I like that first one too. But then he says, tell me and who you are. And then this second question, is there room in my father's house for us to lodge in? And I love the thought of that question, you know, and particularly what the answer is going to be after, which is absolutely. Could mm. you, did you not know that after the camels? Of course we have room <laughs> for you, you know, but just that idea of, is there room in your house for someone like me, whatever my story may be, whatever my struggles may be, whatever my faults and weaknesses are, is there room in your house um, for me? And I particularly love that the question is, is there room in my father's house mm. for me? You know, and if someone were to ask me and, and I thought of myself as a son of heavenly parents, you know, and they're like, is there room in your God's house for somebody like me? And, and how that answer can be Absolutely. Oh, that is so good. Yes, just oh. that idea of that hospitality code. You, you know, could just that you're teach welcome the whole here. lesson in that one verse. Really? Just those two yeah. truths. Whose daughter are you? And is there room in your father's house for me? And that just in and of itself is such a powerful lesson. So then the rest of the chapter is fun. You can read it, but it's kind of a repeat because the servant is so excited about what happened that he just told the whole family the whole story. He was like, Abraham put his hand under my thigh and then, and then I came and he said, find a girl who could feed the camels. And I came and she was there and she gave it to my camels. And then I asked her the questions and she brought me here and then, da, 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 da. you know, and there's that, that whole conversation that, you know, that happens between them. He just tells them like, oh, this is how I knew. And, and I just feel I should be perfect, you know, for for my guy Isaac and and he just retells the whole story. And then they the get ready the to go home. Yeah. You oh, love this. And part. before they go home, you have to tell that blessing that his brother Oh yeah. That his okay, brother tell gives that part. Her. Yes. Um, scroll down um, to sixty. Yeah. Um, before she leaves the house, she gets this blessing. And I don't know why I said the brothers. In my mind it was her brother and dad and they all gave her this blessing before she leaves. And they blessed her and they said, You are our sister and but you are going to become the mother of thousands of millions. Um, and, and it just is, is neat to think of that potential that they saw in her mm. and what she could become because of this you know, decision that she was making and sending her off with that blessing. I oh, think don't it's you so want cool. to say that every time your daughter gets married? And this yeah. is your blessing. 
you are about to become just, you think about your grandmas and your great grandmas and the legacy that they've left and my mom with her cute journal. Right. You are about to become that for your own family, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay, then this is my favorite part of the whole story. Always when I teach this, I want to tell people, go pop popcorn and get your jammies on. Turn on romantic music in the background. Don't you want to? We should have planned for that violin. And then here is what happens. It is a movie. Like, just imagine this moment. And it says this. Where, where are you at? I'm going to start in 61. And they go on their way. And in 62, Isaac came from the way of the well, for he dwelt in the south country. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. <laughs> and Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, for she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And here is your favorite verse in scripture ever. And he loved her. Oh, I just love that part so much. Why has Hallmark not made this story? Well, you don't know. But Probably the thigh part. Happy Valentine's one day, one week late, yeah. right? <laughs> there is your best Valentine's story you've ever read. And, and we were talking earlier about how many verses are like given to this relationship. Mm. You know, Isaac and Rebecca is like, yeah. you can compare it to other stories in the Bible and it doesn't even come close to the flood story or, right. you know, creation, the number of verses yep, given to these. Yeah, the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, yeah. There's just, they each, but this, for some reason in this moment, the Lord wanted us to realize this union and the carrying out of the covenant between both Rebecca and Isaac and forward is important to me, important enough to merit this much information as we get started. And, I, and how important like relationship is to yes. him in general. Yes. Just like, oh, I, we, let, there will be time spent in here on relationship because of how valuable it is to your progression, to your journey, to your happiness, yep. you know? And I think it's important too, I'm just thinking to myself, that here we have met Isaac, who, how darling is he? He goes up Mount Moriah with his father. He's so patient. He's so willing to just do, when the servant goes to get his wife, he's like, okay, okay. that'll be great with me. And we meet Rebecca, who is the kindest, most generous person you've ever met in your life. And I think it's important to remember that because we're about to go into this next story that all of a sudden you feel like everyone's maybe acting a little bit out of character. And in my mind, I'm like, I just want to remember these were two really good people trying to start a really good family and their family was cheering for them and blessing them and wanted success for them as they enter into this and for each of us. And all the days of our lives are not going to be us lighting off camels and being welcomed into our mother-in-law's tent and Isaac loving us, right? That, I wish that was every day of yeah, our life. Yeah. But sometimes you have twins who fight with each other and steal each other's porridge. And that is also life. 
And the importance is learning how God prevails in all of that. Yeah, I think it'd be really, really important anytime we read scripture to not go in and assign somebody as a good guy or a bad guy, mm. you know, but rather to say like every single person. In fact, it's interesting that you said, I thought this is where you were going to go oh. because as you were talking, <laughs> I was like, oh, after Isaac and Rebecca are married, um, she waits for a long time. She's barren like her mother-in-law mm. was, you know, and we don't know for how long she's barren, but it's something that she struggles with, particularly maybe after she got that blessing from her family that said, you'll be the mother of millions, hundreds, yeah. and then she's barren all of a sudden, you know, and it's like, um, but when she finally does conceive, when she finally is, is pregnant, it says, this is in chapter 25, um, uh, okay, yeah, in, well, starting in 22, maybe. yeah, and the children struggled within her, like she felt, and, and even though it was the kids, I love the idea of there was a struggle within her, mm. you know, because yeah. that is a description of all of us, Yes, you know, when we're just like, oh, there yeah. is something battling, you know, inside all of us. And um, in her particular story, I think it's so awesome, mostly because it would not have been traditional for a woman. Um, she, under the tradition of the day, would have gone and like to the priest or to her husband or something, will you inquire of the Lord for me? That was like culture of the day. Hmm. But not in this faith tradition. Yes. In this faith tradition, she is welcomed into the presence of the Lord. She can entreat the Lord herself. herself. And she does. In yeah. verse 22, she says, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the <laughs> wait, Lord said wait, unto don't you her. love that question <laughs> yeah. in context of that struggle we all have? Yes. Don't you pray that <laughs> prayer sometimes? You know, at night, Lord, why am I thus? <laughs> like, why, why am, am I, I like, like this? this? Yes. Like, why? Like, why do I think these things yes. about people? And yes. why am I so fill in the blank sometimes? Yeah. Like, I, I genuinely love how this story is super, like, like it's a summary. Like, you don't, yeah. but you get these moments where you dig into yeah. human nature and it's like, why am I like this? Yes. Um, and the answer is going to come that two nations are in your womb. And she receives this promise that is now going to become the crux of this story for us, um, where he tells there's two nations in your womb and two different manners of people. And one is going to be stronger than the other. And the elder is actually going to serve the younger. And she now has received this promise and this witness that she has to take back to Isaac and say, this is what the Lord just told me. And when you try and think about a matriarch-patriarch conversation and situation in the Bible, this is a really good one to watch this struggle play out of. I have received this promise, and now how is it going to work out within that family? And before we go there, let's just talk about Isaac, because we've talked a little bit about Rebecca getting to this moment, but it might be fun to talk about Isaac and his wealth. Oh, yeah. So we'll come back to chapter 25 in just a second, but let's jump over to 26 for a minute because there's this line that happens in there. First of all, you see the passing on of this covenant um, from Abraham to Isaac at the beginning of, of 26. You see it a couple times. He's in this place and it's interestingly, he's in a place and having a situation that's very similar to Abraham's, his father's. 
So he's kind of walking a similar path and similar struggles to his father, a famine and an interaction with a ruler and just kind of like we saw with him. But the Lord appears to him just like he did to his father. And he tells him in verse three, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For unto you and to thy seed, I will give all these countries. Remember that whole idea of a promised land mm-hmm. and you see it happening here. I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham, thy father. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. When we talk about promises to covenant Israel, right? You're seeing them. They were given to Abraham and Isaac probably knew about that. But now there's something significant that they're being promised and offered to Isaac, right here. And it's cool because something happens. Isaac goes back to these wells that his, um, if you were a nomadic people, you like had to live where there was water, obviously. And he goes to these wells that his father had lived by. And since his father had died, they had filled the wells up. The Philistines enemies to them had filled up the wells with dirt. So they couldn't be used. And he goes, and this verse is in, um, 18 and 19 of that chapter 26. And it says, Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, because the others had, this is the Philistines had filled him up. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there was a well of springing water there. And I just think there's something cool about the fact that like Isaac knew where there was water, living water is what they called that because it was Mm. moving because his father had showed him where it was. And he goes back to that place and redigs the wells that his father had shown him and his father had found or been found for him. And, and he goes back to that place. And we love that idea and that concept of drawing on, um, drawing on the faith of those who've come before you or, or rather drawing on the ways they showed you. You know, like this is how you access faith. This is the way you, Mm -hmm. you know, this is where you'll find strength. And you should think about that being living water and then thinking, what what did my mom teach me about how to access that? What did my grandma, what what did my dad? Um, And that's going to be something that Isaac is actually going to need because we're going to go to a really interesting place in Isaac's story right now. And I think it's interesting that this well digging moment happens in the middle of this story, almost as if symbolically he's having to dig a little deeper for who he is and what he knows about God. Um, I love when Alfred Adersheim talks about this and he said, if you were going to assign a characteristic to each of the three fathers, so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you might say Abraham was a man of faith. Isaac was a model of patient bearing and Jacob was the man of active working. And we're going to kind of watch that play out. And it's interesting because um, sometimes you'll notice that we'll get a quality within us. And that one quality, there's we could live it in really good ways or we could live it in not as good ways. That there is a, a balcony of that quality and then there is a basement of that quality. And we kind of see that happen with that patience um, that really is a good quality that Isaac has. Yeah. But for a minute in this part of the story, we're going to see how that could actually not benefit him in his covenant promises. And same with Jacob, that active working, like I want all of my kids to have that quality. But 
not if it means they're going to go before God. And Alfred says this, um, the history of Isaac and Jacob represent the hindrances to the covenant that came as they were trying to work out these qualities that they had been given. And he says this, that it can arise from opposite causes. According as in our weakness, we either lag behind or in our haste, we go before God. So Isaac is going to hear about this promise from Rebecca, and he's going to hesitate. He's going to lag behind. We learned about that with Lot. He's going to be like, let me just, like, I don't know if I'm going to dive into this with full faith like Abraham did. And, um, you know, Abraham hastened, Abraham ran, Abraham, all of these things. And Isaac is going to have to learn that principle, that behavior. Same with Jacob, um, because Jacob also knows about the promise, but instead of just allowing God to do his work, he's going to go before God and say, let me just figure it out. Let me do what needs to be done here. And what happens, and I love this, we're going to see the dangers and difficulties that arise from when we do things like that, either that lagging behind or going before God. But on the other hand, we're also going to watch how God deals with them to show his mercy, his wisdom, and how holily he can remove these hindrances out of the way and uproot those sins from their lives and actually turn that weakness right into something beautiful in them in the end. Yeah. So when you get into the story, the one thing that you want to understand, um, and maybe you've had to talk about this or know about this a little bit, but let's just catch you up. If not, this idea of birthright, that statement from the Lord to Rebecca that the elder would serve the younger would have been really shocking. And that's because they had this concept in their time period of birthright, which is the oldest son was given this birthright responsibility and blessing. And what it was, was a double portion of the inheritance. So the whole, if there were three kids, it would be divided four ways and the birthright person would get two of them and then the other two would get their regular portion. And in a family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a spiritual family, it also was the designation of who will kind of lead that family spiritually. What they did, P.S., with the double portion is they took care of their mother and their unmarried sisters, and they took care of the family inheritance. And and so they got a double portion, but they also had a double responsibility, Mm. you know, that came with it. Their job was to take care of the whole family. So that would have been different than tradition. You know, it would have been like, oh, that's interesting. So when these babies are born at the end of 25, we meet both of them. And one of them's name is Esau. He comes out first. There were twins in her room, in her womb. And, <laughs> and then in the room. In the room. <laughs> and the first came out, it says, this is 25, 25, red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau, which is a name that means hairy. <laughs> so it's just like, oh yeah, he was, right? <sighs> and so he comes out born first. And after that came his brother out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel as he's coming out. Whether that actually happened or not, I am not the boss of. But the way it's told is he comes out holding on to the leg of Esau. And it might be just a clever way of teaching who he is and what that like gift that can either be like a hindrance that he has of trying to Mm -hmm. move ahead and 
and and push forward and stuff like that. His name is called Jacob. And we have a spot in your journal up at the top of this page of what Jacob means. And it's a name that means um, from in Hebrew, supplanter or deceiver or heel grabber, right? They're a play on words with each other that he's grabbing that heel. And, and let's just talk before we go too much farther about, about this, because what is gonna happen is you've got this this week that you're gonna write on and you're gonna write Jacob up here and you're gonna write this and you're gonna see this circle. David and I had to talk about circles earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I should have drawn the circle. I'm like, did you not know about getting a plate out? Listen, I want you to know that like these two, God works in imperfect circles. <laughs> okay, next me. week we're gonna be using the same circle because we're gonna finish the rest of this story. So you're gonna start this week writing and then we're going to transfer all of this because next week everything's going to come full circle do you see how i did that i saw exactly how you did it and um so we're just going to start the story and then we're going to pause in the story and then we're going to catch back up into it next week and then this circle is going to be you might want to stick a copy of this in your scriptures because this is one of my favorite lessons that we learn about a god who prevails is going to be this lesson so we just get a taste of it this week. We're just going to be introduced to this situation about this birthright and these two boys. And and we drew the circle because the idea of the circle is on the outside would be representative of like me, like what I want and what I'm trying to do. And then the inside of the circle are the spots where someone's learning how oh, to follow God and let him take the lead and have patience with him or take his direction, whatever that is. And you could draw one of these circles for every single person in the story and every single person in the world, right? That yes. struggle we each, of... We each could could draw the same story. Right. There's the struggle of God says, I can create a beautiful life for you if you'll let me. And sometimes we do. And sometimes we're like, actually, I don't trust that you can create a life for me as good as I can create a life for myself. And so I'm going to do things my own yes, way. Yes, and I think we all do it, right? We all have these things. Well, I hope I'm not the only one, but do you ever have this where when you pray or you talk to God and you're like, do whatever you want with this. Like, you, I am giving this to you. Do whatever you want with this. But then we're like, but don't touch this because I don't know what you're going to do with this. So I'll be in charge of this. You, you can be in charge of all of this. I'll be in charge of this, you know, and, and that is this struggle that is going to happen with Jacob where he's like, yeah, I'm going to let the Lord lead and we're going to watch him. And every so often he does really good at it. And other times he's like, uh, I'm not sure what you're going to do with this. So I'll just go before you. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I will figure this out. I think we'll both be happy when I'm done. And yeah. <laughs> let's see how he does. <laughs> so these two get born in 25 and then they grow up. Um, in verse 27, it was really fast. Oh. And Esau was this hunter and he was a man of the field, but Jacob was more of like a homebody <laughs> playing and dwelt in the tents. And in 28, you find out that Esau loved, I mean, Isaac loved Esau because he, he liked hunting and the venison, but Rebecca loved Jacob. So you kind of have something thrown in there with parents that maybe favor a child. I don't know, more personality, you know, yeah. just... And, and so you kind of see this happen. All, all of a sudden it's getting set up for like a really interesting relationship dynamics here, right? Um, and then you get to the story that's really well known starting in 29, where Jacob is making this pottage, this r lentil soup, right? 
And, and Esau came from the field and he was faint. And how faint was he? I'll tell you. He says, I need food. Give me some of that red pottage for I am faint. Um, and Jacob says, well, why don't you sell me your birthright? Because under tradition, it would have been Esau's, right? Because he was oldest. And he's like, sell me your birthright and I'll give you a bowl of this soup. And Esau's like, well, I'm about to die. So like, of <laughs> course, don't you don't even need it. I'd rather live and not have a birthright than not at all. You know, so he's like, I'll trade a bowl of lentil soup for a birthright, which is the worst, worst business move in the I history of planet Earth. I thought you were going to say it's the Earth. worst soup ever Because made. it must be. <laughs> Listen, Cheesecake Factory has a menu that is this thick and they don't even sell red lentil soup, you know, like nobody wants that. Yes. And he trades his birthright for red lentil soup. A mess of pottage. A mess of pottage, yeah. you know, it's not even oatmeal with the sugar and the butter. It's just like, so there's something in there happening on both sides. On one side, you've got Esau who you're just like is willing to let go of his spiritual responsibilities and promises in trade for a bowl of soup, you know, which is essentially what we're doing when we say, don't touch this. Yeah. God's like, okay, I won't, but are you going to pick soup <laughs> over what I can give you? Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, so you've got that on Esau's side, you know, and reasoning through that, he's like, well, I'm going to die. But then on the other side, you've got Jacob who you're kind of like, you kind of did your brother dirty a little, you know? Like yes. if someone comes and they're like, I was like, be like your mom, you know? <laughs> like if someone came thirsty, then you would yes. drop the pitchers, you know, for him. And instead he kind of seems to like take advantage of the situation a little bit. Take it, you, you can't take advantage of a hungry man. That's like, that, that's like, <laughs> that's foul. That's foul play. And so you've got just like, you see like, you know, these weaknesses and strengths and all of them in this, in this story right here. And he does, and he gives him his birthright. And it tells you at the end of 34 that Esau actually despised that birthright and didn't value it or valued it on a, on a really low level. So you're just starting to see the way that they're like handling their lives where you're like to Esau, you could say, could you practice a little patience? You know, do you really have to have that right now? Yeah. And to Jacob, you could say, is that the right way to like bring about like a happy and good life, you know, to do something like yeah. that? And then it's going to continue, right? We're going to get into 27 and, and there's still one problem is Isaac is hesitating, right? He's hesitating. And we're going to see this moment of, on one hand, he has this patience that is such a beautiful gift. But on the other hand, he is going to lag behind in this responsibility he has to further this birthright. And within the background of this story is the conversation Rebecca had with God, which he surely knows about. There's a lot of other things going on. And, but all of a sudden now, not only is Jacob going to go before God, but Rebecca's like, okay, I'm going to help you because tonight is going to be blessing night. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to, and they come up with this plan, right? That they are going to deceive Isaac who can't see. And they're going to put fur on his arms and he's going to go in there and. Fur on Jacob's arms. On Jacob's arms. Sorry. Because Esau's hairy. Because Esau's right? hairy. And Isaac's blind. So he's yeah, going to Isaac's like, blind. <laughs> and who so, are you? And he comes in and he tells his dad, I am Esau. He tells him. And Isaac gives him 
the blessing. But it's interesting. You just, you want to watch these two blessings because Isaac, Jacob's is going to be in verse 28. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine and let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee and you'll be Lord over thy brethren. And um, he, so he gets the spiritual blessing, right? The dews of heaven. And he gets the temporal blessing, the fatness of the earth. And then he gets that blessing to um, that birthright blessing that the he is going to. Yeah. Yep. And then what happens next is Esau comes and he, he says, do, do, do not have a blessing for me. And which I love that line for a lot of reasons, but mainly for this. Esau is also going to be blessed by the Lord. Yeah. And sometimes we get confused and we think the person who gets the birthright blessing must be the most favored or the most privileged or the most loved by the Lord. But one of the things that I love is when you watch these two blessings and, and he says to him, do you, do you, did you reserve a blessing for me? And of course he did. Of yeah. course he did. Um, for every child. And I love in 39 that he starts out that blessing exactly the same. Um, your dwelling will be the fatness of the earth, right? I will bless you temporally and as the dew of heaven from above. And you will also have spiritual blessings. Both boys get an equal blessing in that thought about both spiritually and temporally, you are going to be blessed, right? One gets an added measure of responsibility. But I love that when you lay out both of their blessings, both of the boys are going to be blessed in that moment. And we put a spot for you here. So as you come down this side, just as you're preparing for next week, we've talked about in Genesis 25, 31, sell me your, uh, your birthright and swear to me that you'll give it. And in 27, as that blessing happens, we see that Jacob will go before God and he's not sad to deceive or to lie, right? Because he's trying to get what he thinks God promised him. And it's so funny that in your mind, you're like, do you not think God is capable of fulfilling his own promise? And then um, we come down to this next two boxes. And what I wrote in both my boxes is, I just want to remember both those boys were blessed temporally and spiritually with equal measure, both boys. Yeah. Um, and then they were given their responsibility. And then we're going to kind of pause right here because Jacob's story is now just going to take off, but we're going to a little bit culminate where we are with Isaac. So th this will kind of end up Isaac's story. And there's a couple quotes that we love right here. Um, that I'll read first and then um, just a description that we love from the Torah. It says this, such hours come to most of us when it almost seems as if necessity obliged and holy wisdom prompted us to accomplish in our own strength that which nevertheless we should have left in God's hands. And I just love to think like there are moments in scripture where we see that this actually is our nature. Right. We saw in Abraham and Sarah's story when they were like, well, we don't know how this is going to happen. And so maybe Hagar and they went before God and tried to figure it out when God knew all along what he was going to do. And I love um, that as we read, we see God can take all of that mistake 
and all of our going ahead of him and he can work it out for our good in the end. He will work it out for our good in the end. But I love this when you, um, when we think about why, like what was the right answer? What was the right answer for Isaac? What was the right answer for Rebecca? What would have been the right answer for Jacob and even Esau? What was the one thing they were missing all of them? And it's what Isaac should have dug up in the well, right? It's what he should have dug up because remember what we learned about Abraham? What stood out in Abraham's story was his faith. Yeah. That was it. It was in their family. They knew it's, it's part of who they were and where they came from. And, um, and it's a lesson that Abraham had to learn in his own way. Yep. You know? Yep. And now and then, they're, and gonna, now they're learning it also. Yep, they're going to dig deep and figure that out. That, that word that you find in the old Testament for faith is most often translated as trust. And it's that whole idea of, do I trust God with my life? Do I yes. trust what he's going to do with it more than what I'm going to do with it? Yep. I love this quote from Alfred Adersheim. Here also, faith is the only true remedy, which is such a good line. It's the only thing that is going to work here. Faith, which leaves God to carry out his own purposes, content to trust him. Absolutely and to follow him whithersoever he leadeth. And as we finish this lesson this week, that is the, the place that I find myself is, do I have that kind of faith in all of the situations in my life right now? Do I trust God absolutely? And not just to trust, right? I'm not just gonna trust and be like, okay, well, I hope that works out, but to do or to go wherever he leads me, that I have to be willing to respond in his way though. Yeah. Not in, not going before him, but saying, okay, what do you need me to do now? And even if I'm like, this doesn't necessarily make sense, but I'm going to trust you yeah. with this. And, and, you know, Isaac learns this lesson at the end of his life. You know, easily he could have like gone back on what he said, you know, when he realizes, and as you read the story, you're kind of like, did you, did you really get tricked? You know, because <laughs> yes. you're kind of like, for real, you yeah. know, like, don't yeah. you know and there's so much we don't know. And, Right. Yeah. But you just still see that like uh, waffling with him almost there. But when Esau comes in and says, did you give my blessing away? Like Isaac could have said like, oh my gosh, that was a mistake. Let me just give it to you then. But he doesn't. Right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't give him that birthright blessing because it's almost as if like Isaac has he, learned. He submits. Yeah, to submit to God. He's like, ah, this is what, I'm so sorry to have put you in this position and made you go out and hunt us a meal to celebrate it. I, I knew this was the right way all along and and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it right and this is what I'm going to do. And, and oh, at the end of that chapter, hmm. Esau hates Jacob for it. And he's like, why did, you know, and, and he gets mad. And, and then we're going to next time watch their story play out. But yeah, and which they've you're got to love. learn, and they've got to learn yeah. that lesson too. Yeah. And I love that we actually get to watch the story play out. Yeah. That we're going to watch that whole thing and that God is going to bless Esau just like he is going to bless uh, Jacob, just as he said he would do. Right. Um, but right. we get to watch this wrestle, which I love watching it in someone else's story, because then it makes me want to say, okay, where am I seeing this 
in mine. And, and at the end, when Isaac has been having that wrestle and digging those wells and probably trying to reconcile in his mind what he knows and and then finally comes to this place that we thought this is such a great place to end today. Oh, yeah. It's today. so good. Listen to this description of um, uh, Isaac where it says this. Nothing spectacular happened to Isaac. He made no particularly great contribution theologically or, or anything like that. It just says... Um, the tradition arising out of great intellectual ferment. Okay, I'm like skipping words that I should not be skipping. I'm gonna, <laughs> this is where I should have started. What then did Isaac do? You know, like you watch his story and you're kind of like, he doesn't, there's no like, like big moment, you know, necessarily for him or anything. Mm. So what did he exactly do? He preserved a tradition. He held on to it. He received it and he was loyal to it. And we might say eventually, yes. you know. Which I love, yeah. then that was okay too. Yeah. In a world of constant change, in a world where new fashions are sought and new habits constantly arise, in a world that never stops for a moment in its fluctuations, Isaac is not simply a negative character. He's the son of Abraham and the father of Jacob. He kept the chain that was handed to him and the tradition did not break with him. He remained loyal and in all of his actions, a tradition was preserved. Mm. And I think we would say that was the, the tradition of faith and trusting God, where he's just like, that's what he's going to then pass. That's what he received from mm-hmm. his dad. And that's what he's going to pass on to his sons. That's like, yes, it will be a struggle. Your own wishes and wants and desires and biases and everything are going to kind of be hindrances to the covenant. But he's like, God can work those out of you if you will just learn to trust him. Yes, and I do, I love that as you watch that happen, it didn't make Isaac any less. You know, sometimes you watch your kids go through things and you're like, oh, I wish that didn't happen. But then you have to remember God is so good and he's so big and he's going to be able to say, well, here's where you like went out on your own. How did that work out for you? You know, and it's all right. Come back and I will work this together for your good and trusting that God is that good and that he is that big and that he cares that much that even however many years that is. And for Jacob, it's going to be years, right? This wrestle, I mean, we pretend like the wrestle happened right at the very end, you know, but this wrestle began from the moment he was born and he's going to wrestle that out all the way through and we get to watch it. Yeah. In his story and ours. Yeah. And I think if we find those moments in our story where maybe Isaac is like, oh shoot, did I mess this up? You know, or whatever the case may be, we might find ourselves asking Esau's question. Is there still a blessing for me? Mm-hmm. Or the servant to Rebecca, is there room in your father's house? And we see in this story that Yes. The answer to that is absolutely yes. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. See you next week.